0: This is Life Elsewhere, created and hosted by Norman B.
1: sunrise the title of that cut this is from the long-awaited album floating above everything else from i'm going to say a dear friend somebody that we've had on the program a number of times before somebody that i i rate very highly not only as a singer songwriter guitarist but also as just a lovely person keely moss welcome back to life elsewhere
0: thank you norman it's so lovely to be on the show again thank you for having me
1: it's so nice to see you, so nice to hear from you. So finally, this album is available. You've been working on this for quite some time. Let's let's just talk about how this has all sort of manifest itself, how this album actually came to be. Why has it taken so long?
0: Right. Well, okay, first of all, um myself and, and Alan, who is my musical partner and my producer, we've been We met in the summer of 2019 and we began recording together from then and worked steadfastly and doggedly on um, basically many songs that have come to fruition over that period of time. So unlike other artists who say, like, write a batch of songs in a certain block of time and then they go into the studio and record them in another block of time, I'm constantly writing and constantly recording and Alan and I are constantly recording together. So it's, it's a continuous state of creativity all the time, literally like writing, recording all the time. So over the time, like, I mean, uh, the first two EPs came out in 2021, which was Brave Warrior and Echo Everywhere. And then in 2022, um, I I released, uh, a my debut mini album, which was drawn to the flame, and uh, none of the songs on drawn to the flame are on the new right. record. That's entirely a, a, a disparate kind of distinct record, of its own right. And then released the 30p last year, which was totally entranced. So, even though it has been a long time to prepare the debut full length album, I've been doing a lot during that time. I've been constantly writing and recording and releasing music during that time, and also I produce all my own videos I design all my own artwork Um I, I write a very extensive blog as well so and obviously then there's gigging and there's promo and everything so yeah I have I, <laughs> I kind of I, I seem to have picked up a reputation for being hyper prolific um, which I don't quite agree with because to me I'm no more prolific than I think any artist should be.
1: You know, it's funny that you say that. I'm going to make a reference here to a to an interview that I did a number of years ago. Uh, I was talking to David Bowie, and he was, I, in fact, I think I was listing off all the different things that he was doing, and 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 then he sort of added into it. And he said, "Oh well, I also do this, and I also do that." And, da, 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 da. and he wasn't showing off by any means, but he was just listing, sure. you know, things. So I then stopped and I said, "David, so when do you take a break?" And he goes, "Oh." It was a Wednesday in, in second, <laughs> which you know Bowie could get away with. So, I love it. So here you are with this new album floating above everything else. Uh the music on it, I, I, I have to say, there's a couple of cuts which we've heard before, I've heard before, and some of my listeners have. But there is a certain kind of feeling throughout this this collection of songs, and I'm not going to say they're all melancholic, but there is a certain kind of, gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you if you can, you can maybe fill in the the blank here. Is there a certain theme running through this album deliberately, Keely?
0: I think it's something that's kind of come together uh, very organically and very naturally. And the title of the record to me is, is so uh, relevant to the songs and to the feelings within the songs, and and the overriding, overarching theme that kind of ties all of the songs together in a in a sort of a narrative thread, in that all of them I wrote about my my muse, my my heroine, who is Inga Maria Hauser. Yes. Who yeah. I know you're, you're aware of who. Just in case any of the the listeners haven't perhaps heard about Inga's story before, or her her. Um, being the focal point of all of my art. Um, what I do is is unique in music and that I, I'm a concept artist but with a difference in that everything I write, I write about one person, one thing, one theme, one topic, and that is Inga Maria Hauser. Now, she was an 18 year old German uh, backpacker, uh, tourist student and artist and musician from ha- from Munich, Germany. Who was murdered in a notorious and still unsolved um, case, and uh, a truly a unique case, one of a one of a kind, in Northern Ireland in 1988. And I, from the moment that I that I discovered Inga's story, everything about it spoke to my soul. I just became obsessed with her, with the details of the case, and I found myself drawn to the flame to, to quote the title of of the mini album i released last year and the the, the feelings that she aroused and continues to um arouse in, in me um and the way she moves me and intrigues me and inspires me um just led me to conclude that i didn't want to, to, to write any about any other subject i, yeah. I was just had to tell her story. I had to deliver her story, what, no matter what it took, no matter how difficult you know so, some of the, the the details are to to disclose and to try and navigate. Considering that it is an unsolved case and there's certain details, but I have to be more circumspect about that than others. But it just became I just became engulfed with 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 passion and and drive to. To try and be a vehicle for her voice from beyond the grave as much as I could and to learn as much about her as possible in order to enable me to allow her to speak through me and sing through me as much as possible. So this is all part of, of an overall um body of work that I'm in the process of building. And floating above everything else, I suppose it, it sort of it attests to the to the spiritual elements of the story. And the ethereal elements, and and that's why, you know, quite, quite deliberate that I chose that the image on the the front cover, the artwork that I designed, it's a photograph that I took in Scotland of a beautiful blue sky um, that is very, quite otherworldly and and dreamy, and there's a Mm. dreamy quality to the last week of Inga's life, which is totally in contrast to what happened to her at the culmination of, of that week when, when she was so brutally murdered. But prior to that, you know, just in, in, in the seven days leading up to her murder, she was having the best week of her life.
2: Mm. And a
0: song like Two London Sunrise, um, which deals specifically with the three days she spent in London in April 1988, um, there's a feeling and an atmosphere, an ambience that is imbued in that song that I really wanted to capture and I really wanted to convey and the sense of spring and the sense of, of youth and vivaciousness and vibrancy and the, the, the poetry of movement through life with the backdrop of, you know, like, you know, those kind of early morning sunsets oh, yeah, that you see yeah, yeah. Um, in springtime. Um, I just became to- totally entranced with those things.
1: Thank you for sharing that. There's two questions uh, that I have for you. One is Alan, who you work with. Yeah. How does he, does he jump into this with you? Is this like something that is like, yeah, this sounds like a great idea.
0: That's a, yeah, that's a really good question. I'm really glad that you've asked about Alan because he he is, you know, because I'm kind of out front and center and Alan is quite a a low key sort of cat. So he, he doesn't really, um, you know, get as, as much press as, as as old big Ed here gets, but i'm I always like to shine a light on him because he's so important to me and so important within the Ketie sphere um but he and I we dovetail perfectly we're we're very different as people we have a lot of similarities in terms of our tastes, which is really helpful because it means that we 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 tend to we're on the same page musically, but we're different enough to contribute the elements that each of the other one of us lacks so it's just a perfect musical marriage now where alan kind of approaches the story when i met alan first and i explained to him the the concept and i explained to him what i wanted to do and how i wanted to do it and i remember the the, the one thing he said to me since was that you know when he decided he wanted to work with me it was he did it was on instinct it was his instinct told him that that this would be a good thing to get involved in and and, and to do, obviously, I, you know, it's I'm the one with with the overriding um, connection with with Inga and with her story, um, and I think Alan is a bit more of a bit more of an observer in, in that respect because he knows that that it's my thing, but where he, where it's really really fantastic is that he has musically, he's so adept, and we're so attuned to each other's wavelengths sonically. Mm. He he knows the sounds and the soundscapes that I love, and the, there's a spaciousness and 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 a, and a, and a dreamy sweep and uh, a sort of a how do I say an atmospheric quality that I'm constantly striving for in sound. And I'm at, at gigs and rehearsals. There's there's a swirl that I'm constantly pursuing, and um, I want to live in that swirl. I want to live in that sound. I'm obsessed with it. It's the reason why. Like, you, you know, we've all heard of, of, of bands and of singers complaining about having to travel five miles to a gig or 10 miles to a gig or, or, or five hours to a gig or yeah, yeah, 10 yeah. Hours to a gig and, and then play to a crowd of whatever, five people or, 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 a, or a reaction that maybe wasn't so um, warm and adulatory. I have a totally different take on that. I get the same buzz, the same excitement out of playing in a rehearsal to no crowd as I do playing to a crowd. It's all about the sound for me. So, so long as I can hear the sound and as long as I can swim in the sound and be in the sound, I'll travel any amount of miles and any amount of hours with no complaint. If I have to travel 10 hours and I get to play for five minutes, to me, that's worthwhile because I've gotten to be in the sound. And that's why I think it's a really healthy way to be, because it means that Money has is, is never been, my God, and never would be. Fame is is pretty much irrelevant to me. It's all about getting to pay homage to Inga and getting to to be in the sand. That's that's all that that matters to me.
1: Which is why you're you're summing up why I and my listeners would love to go see you live at some point. So so you got to okay. you got to you got to come to unless unless we all hop on over to Ireland, you got to come over to America at some time. On the subject of Inga. Yeah, I want my listeners to know I'm going to put the link up on with this conversation up on li- at lifeelsewhere.co. I'm going to put the link up to an earlier conversation that you and I had that was about Inga. So, that, so yeah. everybody can follow along with that. Let's get back to the album for a moment. Let's take a musical, not break or interlude, but we're going to play another cut. What would you like oh, to hear from the album?
0: Oh, let's see. I'm gonna say, seeing everything, which is the opener. The seeing everything. Yes. Effort. Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay. Here it is. Seeing everything. Keely Moss. This is life elsewhere. <laughs> Floating above everything else, Keely Keely Moss, seeing everything. Track number one from the album. Talk to me about that. Seeing
2: everything.
0: Seeing everything. Well, with with that song, there's a certain musically. Just to, to tackle that side of things first, there's a melancholy glaze to it that I really love. And you know, when I first fell in love with with music, um, it was through hearing The Smiths for the first time, and that was the band that kind of opened my Eyes to music, and and I, everything that I really discovered started there. That was my starting point, my year yeah. zero. And I, one of the things that really spoke to me immediately about them was their very int- the intricacy of the guitar parts that Johnny Marr um, wrote. Not just the fact that the, the, the beautiful jangle of those guitar parts, but how they glisten. When when you hear sound and you hear a guitar sounds that sound like the sun, or that sound like like a uh, like like honey, glaze, like they they actually have a um and, and you get that with 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 arpeggios. Um so something I've always loved is bands who have arpeggio guitars, so like the birds, obviously the Smiths, the Stone Roses, um, Big Star, bands like that. So with seeing everything, I suppose it was it was having written this song had a very melancholy feel to it and, and a sense of yearning and a sense of longing. And it, it it's a song that basically discusses um and conveys the the story of the night Inga arrived in Northern Ireland. The very, very fateful night it was the sixth of April nineteen eighty-eight. She stepped off a ferry in Larne, um at what to her was the highlight of of her of her trip. Um and in a very bizarre uh, turn of events, she became that night the first and to this day, the only instance of a sexually motivated murder of a tourist in Northern Ireland ever. It's the only case of its kind in Northern Ireland. And the fact that this happened to her immediately upon arriving, it wasn't like she'd been there a day or a few days or she was in a number of different places where, you know, she could have maybe been spotted or or, or pounced on by a predator. She had literally stepped off the ferry when this terrible event befell her that really is is what seeing everything is about it's trying to get to the heart of darkness of of what actually occurred that night and how did it occur, it, it occur in order to enable Inga's killer to be able to drive her away from Lauren in the way that he did um and yeah it, and it's it's just that that sense of of yearning and of longing and of and of, I suppose of you know a sense of kind of lost belongings so Keely, I want to
1: go back in time just a little bit. You, you, we've talked about the inspiration for this album and the, and the very sad, tragic story and uh, about Inga, but let's talk about Keely for a moment. Let's talk about you and getting into music because your passion is is extraordinary. I, I hear from from musicians. I hear people that get so excited about their music and about being a playing before an audience. But yours is yours is different. You have a passion about playing. It's like you you want to get a story across, not necessarily just about this young lady, Inga, but I think just about what you feel. It seems to me that Keeley has a passion to communicate with people with your music. So where did that come from? How did that begin?
0: Well, um, I suppose the thing is, you know, one of the uh, character traits that I seem to possess is that I kind of tend to, to fixate on on things very much. If I'm interested in them, I'm totally interested in them. There's no half measures, and there's not many. There's only really two things that I believe in: music and Inga. And I bring them both them together, mm. and I do all the time, and and that's all I am. Whereas other people you know, that like, for example, other people might say go on holidays or they might have relationships, they might have pets, they might, you know, have other hobbies. I'm just music. I don't go on holidays. I don't do relationships. I don't drive a car. I don't have pets. I don't do anything. I don't even watch the TV. I, you know, I, I don't do anything other than music and, you know, paying homage to, to Inga and, and kind of being being creative because they're the things that I believe in. I want to do them all the time. And, and I always feel that the more I I time that I invest in songwriting and in playing the better I become and, yeah. I'm, and I'm really empowering to try because I, I feel it's within my grasp there's not many things in life that are within our grasp but the more I, I the more I sharpen my claws musically the, the better I become so I that's my, my goal I feel I have a duty to my craft to try and be the best songwriter I can be to try and be the best musician I can be
1: but I'm going to push you on this okay <laughs> what provoked it in the beginning what started keely to get into this situation where you are so passionate about what you're doing how did it all start for you
0: um well let's see um i was i i was a bit of a rudderless ship um personally you know i i was kind of, i was a young teenager um, and I was kind of unwittingly searching for, for something to believe in. And when I found that something, which was the Smiths, um, hearing their music for the first time, I remember it was, it was such a vivid moment. Um, cause I, I opened the door. I was in a, a, a thing in Ireland we call the Gale Talk, which is like a, it's like a, a school, a summer camp to go and learn the Irish language, which I, oh. I was. I'm as rubbish at the Irish language now as I was back then. So it clearly didn't work. But for me, the whole, you know, unwittingly, the whole purpose for my being there was actually find my direction in life, which which I found one Saturday morning. I opened the door of this um, older boy uh, who I'd, I'd met on the train traveling down. Brian was his name. And I opened his door because he'd invited me to his dorm. He and his friend were in there and I opened the door and I heard the sound and it was like, that's it. That's that thing. That thing right there. I had to have it. I had to to, to try it. It was just so mysterious to, to me. I didn't know anything about production or songwriter or anything, but I just knew I, I needed this music in my life. And that was really the first time I heard the Smiths. So then I became obsessed with them. I had to track down everything that they'd recorded. I read very, very, uh, how do I say, uh, um transformative book for me, which was a book called Morrissey and Mar The Severed Alliance by yeah, a writer yeah. named Johnny Rogan. Yeah. And that that was, you know, that I kind of really attribute my you know I,
1: I've got to ask you, have you have you had the the fortune to run into either Morrissey or Johnny?
0: I've never met either of them personally. The ah. only the only member of the Smiths that I've actually had contact with is the fifth Smith Craig Gannon, who's a yeah. lovely, lovely cat and a really great guitar player, and you know I think he added a lot to their sound. If you listen, you know Morrissey has has been quite dismissive of Craig over the years. I think very un- unfairly, unjustly, because if you listen to to the live album Rank, you hear just just how how much he added in terms no, of no. the no, Agree, agree. Listen, I want to play
1: another piece of music. And I've got a question that I want you to think about, and, and it, you can go as far with this as you want, or not, as the case may be. But here you are in Ireland, and um, clearly very talented. I want to just I want to delve in to your background, your family, if you like. Just just go back before the teenage, before the, the teenaged acts. Just go back in time and just give us a little clue about the beginnings of Keeley whilst you're thinking about that. Let's play another piece of music. What should we hear?
0: Right, um, I think maybe the the song that's going to be the next single, which is "Arrive Alive," track two on the Ar- record.
1: "Arrive Alive," here it is. Then "Arrive Alive," from Keeley Moss. This is life elsewhere. With arrive alive from her new album. It's titled "Floating Above Everything Else." Keely, thank you so very much for joining us at Life Elsewhere. I asked you a question before we heard that track, and that is, can you talk? Let's go back in time. Can you talk (laughs) about the the Keely beginnings, the 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 Keely childhood, the Keely family, the whatever you'd like to go to? But I want to just want to get a a taste of, of where where this really all came from
0: there's only really one interesting detail probably from my childhood um, and funnily enough it does relate to the record in that you know the way when this is something that as a fan I've always loved when an artist cares enough to inscribe um, a secret message into the run out grooves of the vinyl <laughs> Joy Division used to do it The Smiths used to do it um, The Beatles <laughs> and they, Yeah, absolutely and I and, and I decided you know, that I have to have a message um, inscribed into the run-out grooves so that if you hold the record up to the light or to the sun, you can see the indentation of what it says. And I thought to myself, what would be the perfect statement to have on? I have a message on side A and side B or side one and side two of the record. And on side one, I thought, I've got it. And if you look there, you'll see I haven't actually revealed this to anybody yet. This is a, yeah, but this is a first. But it says, can I bring my Walkman? And the this this symbolic kind of significance of that, um, the relevance of it to the record and to my childhood, is that it's something that I asked my mum on the night that my mum and dad split up for the third and final time. And then we subsequently set off on a very rambling, circuitous route through many different homes and many different perilous uh, circumstances Um, because as of now, I've moved house 29 times. I have 29 moves under my belt in my life. But but by the time I was 15, 14, time I was 14, I I actually moved 15 times. So it was a lot of, it was very dysfunctional childhood and very, very uh, unsettled. Um, But the one constant I had was music and how that relates to, to that record to floating above everything else, is that on the night that my mum, you know, told me that we were leaving, how she did it was very interesting. I was playing as a child at the foot of the stairs and I saw my mum at the top of the staircase and she was kind of like uh, conspiratorially kind of like beckoning me to kind of listen to her. And she was whispering and my mum never whispered. You know, my mum's quite gregarious and she's quite flamboyant and loud and she's not a whispering kind of person. So I I instinctively knew there's something up here uh, even though I was only a kid and she said, she whispered will you ask your dad if he's going out tonight? I was quieter than that obviously it was more like will you ask your dad if he's going out tonight? And And I paused and even though I was you know, it was quite uh, a, a disjointed kind of quite a jarring moment because when you're a child and you're playing, you're, you're in that world, that, that play time world. And to suddenly be, you know, uh, kind of jolted out of the, the purity and the fantasy of, of that. And suddenly you're in this, you know, scenario, which oh, yeah. is very, very real.
1: How old but, were you at this time?
0: I, I was seven years old. Okay. Yeah, I was eight, eight, seven, eight, eight years old, and um, yes. and I asked my mom. I had enough about me. I, I had my wits about me enough to ask her. just straight out. I just said, "Are we leaving?" And obviously, I, I'd had enough experience of us leaving the family home before to know the score when when you know when something was was coming yeah. down the hill. So. And I, I love her response because even though I was an eight year old child and she could have lied to me, she could have said, oh, no, we're just going on holiday or one of these kind of things, you know, that they the parents sometimes say to, to kids to try and yeah. pacify them. But she said she just paused and she said, yes. And I said in response, can I bring my Walkman? And she said, yes. And that's all I needed to know as long as I have because my Walkman was. It was so much more than just a walkway. It was my my doorway to another world. It yes. was my pathway to sound, to music, to the glorious greatness of the sonic odyssey um, that I was privy to purely through listening to music on headphones, which was at the time and still to this day is, is probably the greatest experience that I know, being able to listen to music in, in a very private setting like listening to headphones so uh yeah so 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 i decided you know when i was putting together floating above everything else that i thought well what's the most important thing you know to me in in the world and and what do i think is the greatest thing in in life i think it's it's music so i thought can i bring my walkman and what that implies which is can i open my can i continue to open my ears to this galaxy of sound through music through the radio through records Yes, is the answer. So that is why it's inscribed into the run-out grooves of the vinyl, of side one, of floating above everything else.
1: Ely, thank you so much for sharing that. That really, that's so poignant. It really, uh, gosh, that, ah, yes. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome.
1: I want to talk to you now about something that I don't think you and I have, have really gotten into before. And that is being Irish. You know, over the years, I've interviewed many artists from Ireland and some are vehemently, I mean, just like so proud of being Irish. And this is the, the most important thing. I'm curious about that for you, whether the Irishness of, of Keely is something that you I'm sure you're proud of. But is it something that's important for you to sort of put forward in your music?
0: Not particularly. I mean mm-hmm. I I'm I am hugely fond of Ireland as a country and of Irish yes. people. Um and I see so many positive aspects to to Ireland and to being Irish. Um but there's a there's a a maxim or a quotation that I heard once that I think is is very wise and that is great artists have no country yes you know so I would be a subscriber to that school of thought um, and also uh, something else then, something that, that George Bernard Shaw said once that I think is very telling and, and very um, very accurate which is patriotism is the refuge of a scoundrel and i think we've seen politicians and with various political figures various other figures who who wrap themselves up in patriotism and nationalism as a sort of a well i mean they do it largely for cynical reasons um but whenever people do that i always feel there's there's not enough about themselves as an individual so that they have to um align themselves so much with their nationality and with their national identity in order to um, how do I say uh, make up a, a deficit of individuality and personality within themselves so that's something that, that, I, that I definitely don't feel is the case with me so yeah I, I consider um, it actually doesn't have much to do with with my art and in fact I mean I, I consider that, that I myself um, I feel like a citizen of, of the world really. Yes. Bonitor.
1: Yeah. You know, the last time we spoke, I think I asked you a question along the lines of what do you see for the future or what, what would you like to do? Something, something along those lines. And you said to me, I want to be, I'm going to be the best guitarist in the world. I and mean, <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's, that's fantastic. So let me sort of rephrase that question. Here we are right now in the summer. I guess it is the summer now, isn't it? Of, of 2023.
0: You'd think <laughs> that. I'm, I, I'm currently looking out my window of <laughs> you know, lashing rain, rain, yeah. wind. So that, that's an Irish summer view. Yes, um, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. A good it's a very good question, actually. Yeah, I mean, I suppose... I I would have slightly modified that 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 opinion now. Um, yeah. To say that I just want to be the best artist that I can be. Yes. And that means I want to be the best live act possible, the best songwriter possible, the best guitarist possible. For me to be not necessarily better than anyone else. I I want to be the best, but not in a, in competitive terms with other people. Partly because I kind of see what I do. As, as 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 a unique body of work within yes. music you
1: you 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 practice a lot don't you 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 spend a lot of time from what i can understand just just doing what you do in the privacy of your own home is that right
0: yeah well largely i mean one of the great things in the last six months um i i came very close to being homeless about six months ago because there's nowhere to live in Ireland, that's that's a a big big bugbear. I mean, for in the in the modern world in Ireland, there's nowhere to live. So well, let, g-
1: let me let me stop you there for a minute. Let's let's just briefly get into this. What when you say there's nowhere to live, do you yeah. mean there's nowhere affordable, or do you mean there just isn't the facilities? There isn't a. I mean, just expand upon that.
0: There's nowhere to live, even if you have money. There's nowhere to live in in Ireland. Um, I mean basically what happened was uh, back in 2008 around the time of, of the financial crash yeah uh, bed sits which accounted for about 10,000 uh, bed sits in Ireland basically like a a, a very basic you know uh, a, a room to live in where where the where your bed was in the room yeah so you didn't have a separate room yeah but, there were ten thousand of those properties in Ireland, and they were housing ten thousand people. And overnight, they were made illegal. And really? The,
2: the, ah. Yeah.
0: Behind them, and, and I've I've heard it described that middle class do-gooders, quote unquote, were the prime, you know, proponents of this um, of this venture to try and overhaul the accommodation situation in Ireland and to basically raise the standards of accommodation which on paper is actually a very good aim the only problem yeah. with it was when they got rid of the 10,000 bed there was nothing put in place to replace them so they basically made 10,000 people overnight who they expected to i suppose live on in clouds or something it's just there was absolutely no basis in reality for 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 any solution to that situation yeah. and there's And you have a situation in this country where we are really, really dogged by it, where uh, you have people who are stockpiling properties and they're not renting them out. Ireland has the largest proportion of vacant properties in Europe, which is a, it's a scandal. And uh, governments have typically, they've kind of hummed and hawed over introducing legislation and and trying to kind of uh, counteract the situation. One of the impediments to that is that Politicians are generally are, are not only homeowners, but but landlords. Many of them are, are some of the most uh, active landlords in the market. So financially, it makes more sense for them to stockpile properties and not put them out on the market. For example, we have a politician in this company called Robert Troy, who who, who uh, has purchased 11 homes and he's renting nine of them out, but he's, benef- uh, he's benefiting. From uh, a scheme called the HAP scheme, which stands for Housing Assistance Payment. So, there's, there's a, and of course he successfully lobbied for the Housing Assistance Payment to be increased. So, of course he is a direct beneficiary of that, and that's just one instance of of what happens in this country, unfortunately, and has led to the situation whereby there is simply nowhere to live. And, um, and so I very, very, I was very fortunate to. I mean, I spent six months looking for somewhere anywhere. To live and I end, ended up having to leave Dublin, but it, it turned out to be actually very fortunate for me because where I have found uh, is in the countryside and it, it's somewhere where I can make music at all hours of the day, which is just as well because I stay up all night every night writing songs and, and um, working on, on music. So uh, it's actually really just wonderful to have that facility.
1: You've just opened up a, a Pandora's box there, if you like, of, of <laughs> things that I think most of my listeners, in fact, I I did not know the the crisis of the situation there. That that is just absolutely remarkable. Uh, something we could probably go into in in a lot more depth. Once again, thank you for sharing that.
0: Welcome. Okay.
1: Being Irish when you travel i know that you've just been you've just been to europe am i am i correct
0: yeah i'm just back from from munich in uh, germany
1: yeah. yeah being irish when you go to europe going to the going to to england for instance or to scotland are you are you seen as an irish artist or how do you think people see you keenly where where you where you're from is that
0: important um it it's it's always hard for me to know how i'm perceived by by other people um unless they express it but, but something that definitely seems to be appealing to you know people from other countries whenever i encounter them because I, I i hear this quite a bit is you know they kind of pick up on my irish lilt um and i've been you know i've had a number of people um, compare me to uh, Dolores O'Riordan from the from the Cranberries in terms yeah. of you know melancholy and so on. Not that I've ever consciously tried to ape her style of singing or anything, but I, I tend to find I tend to be appreciated more outside of Ireland than inside of Ireland. Um, really,
1: that's interesting.
0: Definitely, like the the it's the Irish media have a curious oversight when it comes to um, quality. Irish artists I mean it's it's something that has happened to my heroes I mean Kevin Shields from My Bloody Valentine My Bloody Valentine were completely ignored in Ireland and to the extent that they had to emigrate first to the Netherlands then to Germany and then to the UK Um, Micro Disney um, and I know you've you've interviewed I think you've interviewed Cahill uh, the great many times Answer, rest
1: in peace yes yeah Absolutely
0: yeah amazing artist and really the reason why i signed to, to Dimble Discs in the first place he remains my, my favorite lyricist ever but he in the guise of micro disney uh, along with, with shauna hagan they had to emigrate from ireland because they were they they just had no prospects here and that is that kind of remains the case like it's easier for me to get press in brazil where I've never even been, than it is to get press in Ireland, which is just ridiculous. That's that's how it is for, for me.
1: So let me ask you a very pointed question then. So for Keely, staying in Ireland, is that what you want to do or is that just one of many options?
0: Well, I suppose having, you know, I, I ran away from home when I was 18. And ever since then, I, I've been living on my wits, you know, trying to, survive in order to be able to create art and and it, and so wherever I can physically survive and hopefully thrive um, and have a space to create art is is where I'll stay. Now, the current home that I have where, where I really love and I've, I've kind of crafted it in my, my kind of inimitable uh, kind of sonic style to kind of make it a sort of a, a musical layer Anyone who's seen photos of, of this place on social media. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm Keeley Sound on all the socials, Twitter, Insta, Facebook. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll see, you know, the kind of the, the array of kind of the, the musical labyrinths that I've built here. But I would hope that I can stay here for as long as I can. But whenever my time here is up, whenever I'm given my marching orders, so to speak, I would think I would have no, no option but to immigrate to the UK because... There is nowhere to live in Ireland, and the situation is so chronic. And your your listeners may not be aware of this, but the situation has become so chronic that the French government, um, actually the, the the French embassy, um, issued a a, a a press release, uh, which they distributed to citizens of France, um, to warn them against traveling to Ireland on a, on on a basis on any basis other than as a holiday, because there is simply no accommodation um so uh yeah it's it's something that i i'm going to stay in ireland for as long as i can because i i really do um there's a lot about ireland that i love if i do have to leave this particular home um i wouldn't want to go through another six months year of queuing up with 100 people trying to you know rent out a, a room or it's it's just it's too too much, much misery, you know, Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that, that I don't have to undergo again.
1: You're painting a picture that I, I really did not know about. And I, uh, once again, thank you so much for sharing so much with Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. One, one quick question for you. If you could come up with just one thing that Keely Moss really, really wants to do above everything else
0: that's a great question well yes um if i could w- within within life uh i mean for me within life is the same as within music because music to me
2: is is like yeah yeah
0: i have this kind of dream
2: okay <laughs> yeah
0: and it's am gonna say it's gonna sound know, fairly mundane because it, it probably doesn't sound all that you know epic or ambitious but it's I am such a lover of blue skies and of sun, partly because I never see them in Ireland because the weather's so cool. <laughs> Yeah. And of playing outdoors at a festival on a beautiful sunny day with a clear blue sky and being in the afternoon slot, not even being the headline, because the headline, yeah. you go on. Not that I would shun the idea of headlining, but just because to be at one with nature. Nature is something I feel very drawn to. And I think the songs kind of speak of certain kind of natural settings in nature so just the thought of being to stand on stage playing at a festival on a with a blue sky and sun kind of and and with the sun bathing my face so i can feel the sun on my face as i close my eyes and play sounds play guitar guitar sounds that sound like sun
1: yes. that is
0: the ultimate thing.
1: I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say any more than I can see that right now. I know of at least two venues that I think would be absolutely perfect for you. So, so what should we choose? What's the last last track?
0: Last track I'm gonna play is a song that features my dear friend, the very wonderful Morgan Fisher. Um, who oh, is a- yes, yeah. And he's he's been in. I mean, he was the the keyboardist. He was the touring piano player with Queen. Uh, he was in that band, The Love Affair, who had that song uh, "Everlasting Love." Um, so he plays on one of the tracks on the album, a song called "Totally Entranced," um, which is, I think, a very uh, kind of melancholy but but ethereal track. And I, I'd, I'd love to to sign off with with that "Totally Entranced." Yeah,
1: here it is the the second to last track on the album. The album is called "Floating Above Everything Else." totally entranced is this cuts i have been speaking to the very delightful keely moss keely thank you so very much for joining us at life elsewhere
0: you're welcome thanks for having me Have been listening to Life Elsewhere, created and hosted by Norman B. Life Elsewhere is written and produced by Norman B. Guest booking and additional research by Stephanie Lane. Behind the scenes assistance by James Van, Bruce Goodman, and Allison Klein. We love to hear what you think about Life Elsewhere. Send your questions, queries, and comments to info at lifeelsewhere.co. That's C-O.